In today's episode, I talk to a high achiever who took a non-traditional route with her background in dance to create inclusivity and opportunity for a demographic that wouldn't otherwise have had the chance. She's creating social impact in her own way through conscious leadership. And get this, it all started with an idea. Learn more about her impact and how you can create your own. Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to changemakers who want to lead, inspire, or transform the world for the better. My name is Ravi Tour. I'm a straight shooter with a no BS approach. This podcast is meant to be thought-provoking, to get your attention, and mostly, I want to encourage change and movement from folks just like you and me. I'll cover things like world issues, mindset, and theory. So stick around, tune in, and let your mind be the map to your revolution. Welcome to episode 28 of Lit. My name is Ravi Tour, and I'm your host. I am so excited today to bring you guys the next guest for the interview series. My guest today is a rad individual from Nashville, Tennessee, who is starting something quite unique in the dance industry, but also for kids on the spectrum, kids with disability. And so I wanted to talk more with her about what she's doing and why she's doing it. Before we get into her story of why she's doing what she's doing and why she's serving the specific community that she is serving, I wanted to give you guys an introduction into who she is. This is Lauren Beasley from Move Inclusive Dance. It's a dance studio in Nashville, Tennessee that started up a year ago in 2018 and is a nonprofit organization. I'm going to let her jump in and tell us a little bit more about who she is, where she's from, and what she does. So Lauren, why don't you take over? Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. As you mentioned, I started Move Inclusive Dance in 2018. So we're, we're a pretty new organization. I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, actually a small town right outside of Mobile in a dance studio where I was there pretty much every day after school. I was on the competition team. That was truly, that was my life. And Went on to college, the University of Southern Mississippi, got my degree in dance education. And then after that, I started working for a company called Pure Bar, which is um, it's a fitness method where you use a ballet bar. So I, I found it on Facebook um, right after I graduated. I was looking for a job and I'm like, okay, there's a ballet bar there and they need a teacher. I should be okay at that. And that job ended up really um, putting me in the place to or where I am now to start a company of my own. Um, where I had, you know, just connected with so many women who believed in me and wanted to support whatever I was kind of up to. And so here we are. I went on um, into New York and worked for the company there. While I was there, I started working for a nonprofit dance studio, which kind of got my wheels turning on how I could create something similar. And then once I landed in Nashville, uh, still working with Pure Bar at the time, just, you know, as much as I loved my job, there was this this void of, you know, there's something else out there for me. And that this idea um, to start a dance program for people with special needs kind of just had lived in the back of my brain for a really long time. And it was random. I had no experience in that field, really. Um, But I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go for this and see what happens. And here we are. It's it's funny, because when you and I talked, you had said, 
and let me preface this comment that I'm about to make with the fact that most people who get into the services, the social service sector, or people who are wanting to help people with disabilities or whatever that nature, right? Elderly, young, it doesn't matter. Typically, there is some sort of common thread or some sort of emotional association, but you really had none of that except for one very minor event when you were young, but really nothing outrageous, right? Right. right. So I, um, I did not grow up around anyone with any type of disability um, whatsoever. And I went to a school that was not at all inclusive. So we were totally segregated from um, the special ed class. Um, but I have just always had a place in my heart for that community of people. And I remember there was this one girl who was the same age as me. And so we, we kind of went to school together again. We were never in the same classes, but, um, her name was Annie and she has down syndrome and she loved to dance and she, she would do the talent shows. And I just remember her being this like happy go lucky girl. And my mom and I have tried to pinpoint this. Um, because the question comes up frequently now with what I'm doing, like, oh, why would you start something like that? That's, you know, kind of so crazy for you. And um, the only thing I can guess is I remember being in the car with my mom on the way home from dance one afternoon. And I'm assuming it was around the time of a talent show or something. We were talking about this girl and how she loved to dance and how she was just so happy. And I remember asking my mom, why is there not a dance studio for people like that? And my mom was like, I don't know, maybe you'll start one someday. And (laughs) it was truly like in one ear, out the other, did not think I would ever actually pursue it. And as I mentioned, so I went on and got my degree in dance education. And then the the second time that the idea kind of resurfaced, or I guess the first time it resurfaced was my senior year. We were instructed for our capstone project to pick anything in the world of dance and give a presentation on it. And so everyone in my class was picking famous choreographers, famous dance companies, and just kind of doing like a research-based project. And I just have that type of brain that's like, what is no one else going to do that will totally stand out? And so I was just, you know, brainstorming and this idea kind of resurfaced. So I ended up creating like a mock program for people, dance program for people with special needs and presented it. And I remember my professors being like, you should totally do that. Like, that's incredible. And again, was just kind of like, eh, I don't know, like it, it just felt so random because I didn't have that personal connection to that group of people. So then fast forward, I'm living in New York um, several years after graduation and I started working at a dance studio in East Harlem and it was a nonprofit. And the whole premise of this organization was to get girls off the streets and give them a safe place where they had this emotional outlet um, learning through movement. And so that was the first place that I had ever really witnessed like, oh, you don't have to pay a lot of money for dance. Sure, competitions and the performance, that's all a fun part of it. But this could just be something that's like good and changes people's lives. And so I realized there, I'm like, this is exactly what I've, you know, been thinking of just for a different community of people. So I kind of learned, you know, the ins and outs of what it would look like if I did choose to start my own nonprofit dance studio one day. And then a few years later, I was like, I can't get this out of my head. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see what happens. I'm gonna start small with a summer camp, and see what kind of response we get. And it was incredible. Uh, all the parents were like, "What's next?" You know, we can't wait for the next event. And so I just took a big old leap of faith and was like, "Let's do this full time. Let's open a studio." And that's what we're gearing up for right now. 
So incredible story, super incredible story. And I, there are so many pieces in there that I want to unravel. I think a big piece of that is that, that missing piece, right? One thing that's, I, through the interview series, that's a common thread is that there's this missing piece. Like there is something more out there for myself, right? And although you had no direct connection, you were able to, oddly enough, it's, it sounds very intuitive that you were able to you know, move towards that direction without your conscious mind even being a part of everything. Like you thought you were witty and you were, you were clever and let me just create this. Oh, it's a mock program. Okay. Well, I mean, now I've got that experience yet. When we spoke, you literally said that you had built out without even knowing it, you had built out your program. Yeah, absolutely. So insane. So how I found Lauren, you guys, just to give you an idea is I was looking for some capital injection because One of the things as business owners, we all know, we all need capital to run the business, right? And not always can you put that cost on your clients, right? And so for you, you had mentioned one of the things was dance doesn't need to be that expensive. Neither does coaching, right? And how can you cut back on the costs? Well, instead of putting that onto the client, you can fund your company or your organization some other way. And so I was looking up I Fund Women. It's a, a really crowd, uh, awesome crowdsourcing program for uh, women entrepreneurs looking to raise capital for their business. And here I am supposed to be looking up ways to inject capital into my business. And I click, oh, social good, click. And there you are. And I was moved, right? Not moved, like no pun intended, technically speaking, but I was. Right? <laughs> and so... One of the things you said was you had this bigger goal or this bigger mission. What is the goal, the mission for Move Inclusive? Yes. So overall, I want this program to transform people's lives. So, and it's not, I mean, sure, it's about the kids, right? They're not, um, they don't have as many opportunities as a typical kid would to just join an after-school dance class. Um, So we want to provide that to them because I think there's so many benefits in being like in a recreational dance class that people don't realize, you know, it, it's not just about learning the choreography. It teaches you to be a problem solver. It teaches you how to work with other people. Um, it builds confidence. I mean, there's the list just goes on and on. And so specifically for this group of people, they, they need all everyone does. Right. But they really, really need, um, a place where they can develop themselves in that way. So our program will provide that. But then on top of that, you know, the family is is a big focus for us. We're going to have music therapy classes just for the parents. Like while the kids are in a dance class, the parents can be in the back getting a music therapy lesson in just for themselves because I just want to lessen their load a little bit. You know, I, I've talked to a mom um, at our last event and I was like, you know, we're getting ready to open this full-time space. There's not a lot of places that are doing this. Any feedback you could give me, you know, I'm here to take it. And so she was like, honestly, if you just have a place in your waiting room where there's like a Keurig, that would be awesome. And it, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, you know, yeah, we'll get you a damn Keurig. Like they, they have, they're spread so thin. And so for us to be able to provide an outlet again, not just for the kids, but for the, the parents and the siblings, um, that's a big part of it too. And it makes total sense to me. As someone who used to work with kids on the spectrum as a BI, I, I recognize the the massive amount of workload there is on just the caretaker, right? And it doesn't always, it's not always apparent, but the caretaker themselves, right? 
take on a map because there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of constraints within society and within programming and so forth that it's it's tough to navigate, right? Life with um with something as massive as as a disability. And so for these kids, it sounds like not only is it an outlet for the kids, but also the parents. And then it goes back to your mission statement about wanting to transform people's lives, right? Basically wanting to change the world for the better through giving people a place to be not only accepted, uh, included, but also a place to really just come and relax as well, right? That's a huge, it's very holistic, it sounds. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I, when I was writing out the business plan, I found myself speaking so much to that side of it. It was just, it just being like a, a safe haven almost for, for the parents, for the caretakers. And again, for the siblings too, we're going to have a lot of classes on the schedule, which is um, pretty uncommon for, you know, similar programs where if you have a sibling or a friend or a neighbor, whoever it is that, you know, doesn't have any type of special need, just a typical kid, but they want to come dance with you, then they can come too. Um, So we're trying to just make it truly as accessible as possible. And it's really odd because the first thing you said in this call or in this uh, interview is that you grew up somewhere where it wasn't so inclusive, right? Like this shouldn't have been on your radar. Right. And I know you talked about having like a blue collar family. Right. And so your your dad was blue collar and you were just pushed to do the best that you could. But again, there there were parameters set in place so that you were kind of shielded or that you kind of had a narrow view and you kind of proceeded in an almost linear approach. But that's not exactly how things worked out for you. And I got to add that you guys she's quite young as a founder and an executive director and to have this kind of need to want to transform the world in a socially conscious way, you're a really young individual. So why don't you tell everybody not only how old you are, but you know, why, why this is coming up for you in the first place? Yeah. So I'm 27. I had to think about that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 27. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I have always like you said, I came from, you know, a blue collar family. My dad taught me to give at a very early age. I remember, um, being in, in grade school and there was some type of like little fundraiser going on for a family that their house had burned down and they were encouraging us. And so kids were bringing in like their allowance or, you know, and I had, I guess saved up a little bit of money. I don't, I don't remember how much it was. I'm not even going to guess, but, um, all the money I had, I took it in and my teacher and my dad was like, however much you take in, I'll match it. And I remember taking it in. My teacher was like, do you really want to give me all the money that you've saved up this year? And I mean, it was just like kind of a no brainer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. My dad just kind of instilling, instilling that in me from a young age. And then I mentioned to you, Ravi, um, on our initial phone call that I, I have my dad to thank for my just determination and my motivation. He has pushed me really hard. And we kind of, you know, talked about how there's, there's two sides to that. Um, there are definitely times where I'm like, okay, you're a little hard on yourself. Like you don't have to save the world in a day. Like, right. uh, but at the same time, I think it has really pushed me to, you know, just always look for, okay, what's the next step? You know, how do I, how do I level up really? And I think that has just been a big part of me never settling and wanting to do bigger, do better pretty much in all ways at all times. 
Yeah. And that kind of led you to be creative as well, right? Because you were working with a company, but during that time, you were able to not only be awake and open, but also take in that information and see, okay, with all this information, how can I create change? I mean, throughout our entire conversations, and we've only had two, you guys, uh, three technically speaking by email, right? One would be email, but I mean, who really counts that as a conversation anymore? But we've had two. One was the prelim and one is today. And for you, the change aspect has been predominant throughout our conversations. And it's, it's odd because in a day and age where we see so much uh, divisiveness and so much angst in society, again, this, this hardens the fact that I keep presenting that socially conscious leadership is on the rise, right? If we don't make changes for the betterment of society, you guys, there's no other way to go. But the fact is the younger and younger generations that are coming up, and those are not the baby boomers, obviously, but more of the Gen Xers and the millennials, you guys are rising as socially conscious leaders, right? And I think that's so important. I mean, you know, you hear people say all the time, like big change starts small, Mm -hmm. but I don't think people really take that seriously. Like this, this is just an idea that I had, you know, I had it as a young girl and it kind of stuck with me and I didn't have to do anything with it. Right. I think that people have these same exact moments just like I did, but people, you know, Oh, well, why, why would I do that? You know, for, like I said, for me, it was so random. I could have just said, Oh, well, that's so random. No, no one would you know, want to back me on that, right? Whenever I started the organization last year, I actually, this is my second round with I Fund Women to get funding. And this time it's more to open that full-time space. But originally it was just me. I, I did a quick little video of me saying what the idea was to start this program for people with special needs. At that time, I truly don't think I had ever even talked to anyone with any type of special need, right? But I put it out there and we hit the goal in a day. It doesn't have to be you know, you don't have to be, have all these credentials or it can be totally random. Right. And I think that if people would just let go of the fear side of it, then huge things could happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Because it does always start with an idea. And that idea is super faint. I mean, when you were 13 and in those years, as if you would have remembered that car ride with your mom, And then taking that throughout your life, like, oh, man, I'm going to create change for the rest of my life. No, man, like you're not there. But these are the quiet thoughts that typically come back to you, right? So these are something on repeat and you don't really understand them and they show up in different times of your life. And it's typically when you're ready for it, right? So at that time, you were probably ready to hear that piece. But then later on in life, there was an added bonus. Then you developed and yeah, you got credentials, but I mean, you had the credentials, yet you had never, ever dealt with someone really, other than any, but you had really never dealt with someone who, who had disabilities, right? So for you, you had the credentials, but not the practical experience per se, right? And so some, some hide behind fear because they don't have credentials and some hide behind fear because they don't have the practical experience. At the end of the day, the fear is the cause of inaction. And what you did was you heard the little thing you watched for the little signs, and then you took action. And it's usually just small, little, actionable steps that lead to the massive transformation tomorrow, right? Yeah. And I think that that, I mean, if I could, I have friends all the time who are like, oh my God, you know, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And I don't have that in me or, you know, 
how, how did you do it? And I'm like, I, I, that's the hardest question to answer. Truthfully. I don't, I don't really know how I did it. I just did. I made a plan and then I just, I just jumped. And that's, that's the thing that most people, you know, they don't get to that point. Um, I don't know, but I don't, I, I think everyone has it in them. Why me over anyone else? I totally agree. I think that, and that's the basis of this entire podcast, right? I think that you all have it within you to do exactly what Lauren's doing, to do exactly what I'm doing, to do exactly what Oprah does, to do exactly what Dwayne Johnson does, right? Like, there is nothing uniquely special about us other than the fact that not only are we awake and listening, but that we're actually taking action. And, you know, I want to break that that action piece because I'm going to call bullshit a little bit. I think there is something you know of what you're doing that's different, right? It's just you're not consciously recognizing it all the time. But let's take into into account this episode, right? So when I went into iFundWomen, I had seen four different account or four different um, organizations, and I was blown away by all four. Right? There's Lauren. There's a media company. There was a, a jewelry company, and then there was um, these these young women who are starting an app. And out of the four, at first, it was only Lauren and another who had responded. And then out of the four, only two have booked. And it wasn't the original respondent either. So walk me through even the process of getting booked on Lit, because there was something that was like, mm, okay, this is different, right? And you took action. Explain why you took action. Yes. So, um, you know, you originally emailed me. And then after we kind of talked back and forth, then you sent, it was like a questionnaire, right? Um, And I remember when I got that questionnaire, not going to lie, I was doing my to-do list was incredibly long that day. And I was like, oh God, I don't have the time to put energy into this, right? So I just, I wrote it down. I added it to the list. I'm like a big, big list person. Okay. (laughs) So am I. (laughs) Uh, I think that, hey, I think that might be the key. Like people are like, how do you do it? Uh, With a list, that's how you do it. But um, so I added it to the list. I got through, you know, what I was doing. And then I really took a look at the questionnaire. And I'm like, okay, this girl has something a little different going on here. You really, really want to get to know like what it is that, why am I here? Right. And so I, it was interesting for me to sit down and do that questionnaire because I feel like I was learning a little bit about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Legit. Cause there's actually a question in there. Tell me something different and unique, basically, about you. It always stumps everybody, but it, yeah. takes, it takes you into that opportunity to really pull back the layers and examine who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I mentioned this to you last time we spoke. So I kind of live my life by um, this quote that my dad has ingrained into me, which is keep digging. And the reason for that is because... so. Everyone has that one person whenever, you know, you have a milestone moment in your life, whether it be positive or negative, the, per- the first person you want to call. For me, that person is my dad. And I think it's because I remember being a kid and anything that happened, get home from school, right? You know, how was your day? Oh, I made an A plus on my test. Or it could be, oh, I didn't get picked for the team at recess or whatever. It, again, yeah. positive or negative. Same response every time was keep digging, keep digging. And it was like, he was proud no matter what, you know, whether I failed or I totally aced the situation, whatever it may be. It wasn't that he wasn't satisfied, but he's like, that's great. Keep digging. And so everything that I do, 
there's all, I feel like there's always something beyond it, right? I'd never stop digging. And that has really kind of come out in this campaign that I'm doing right now, because it's a huge goal. We're, um, we're trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars to open our space. And honestly, it's been way harder than I thought it would be. And, um, you know, I've had people coming to me and they're like, oh, you should be so proud. Like almost like they're worried because they know how, you know, I'm an, an overachiever and, oh, you should be so proud. Really? I hope you're not being too hard on yourself. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm working just as hard right now as I was whenever we launched on day one. You know, I don't stop until I get to where I want to be. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that that's something that everyone could take with them. Absolutely. I think that there's a few things you've hit uh, the nail on the head about when it comes to being able to follow through on that little idea in your head, right? Or the opportunities that pop up, right? Because you didn't know me from a fucking stick in the in the forest kind of a deal, right? Like she just really didn't know who I was. I could have been like, you know, a bot spammer kind of emailing her, oh, all this stuff, right? Because <laughs> people send those out, FYI. <laughs> you never know. And so one of the things you did, and I think this is really practical, write it down if you need to. I mean, a to-do list needs to happen, a list that is specific to your goals, right? Specific to what you want to achieve. It might be something as silly as, you know, put the soap in the dishwasher. I mean, if you're someone who's highly active, a high achiever, someone who's always got something going, burning, you're digging, all that stuff, then you're going to forget some of these small things that are going to hang you up later, right? Because later, when you're trying to accomplish say something massive like writing some content or creating content or networking you're thinking as well oh shit that that pod is not in that dishwasher right so if you've got a list to rely on let's take that dishwasher and apply it to emailing me well then you've got that list and there's my name email you know ravi or crazy chick or whatever the fuck you wrote at the end of the day <laughs> but email her back and so that kept you on track at first right and so that that's the first point. Super practical, super easy, right? Seems ridiculous in a day and age where this is our thing, right? We're working on our phones all the time, but buddy, I got a to-do list. I got a list in the phone. I got a list in my phone. I'm like back to where the actual list is. I take it from the phone list and I put it on the real list. Like nothing gets by me. No. So, okay. So we got a gatekeeper here. She's a little like obsessive. That might not be a little, a little. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. Don't worry. We'll go a little psychoanalytical on her ass here shortly, but in, in, in practicality, yeah, man, lists work. And there's a reason why they should be utilized. It's a reason why it's called to do, right? So there's that list component, but then also a big piece of it is, is your opportunity focus. So your mindset is quite different as well, right? Imagine trying to email me back when you're thinking, this is not going to work or, oh, the campaign's not going the way I want, I want it to, or, oh, it's like 28 days in or 25 days in and I'm exhausted, right? You're in a, you're in a growth mindset. Everything's an opportunity. Yes. Yes. And I mean, oh my God. And I feel all of those things like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Oh my God. I can't imagine adding one more thing to this fucking list. But that is, I think that's what sets me apart, I guess, from, you know, the people who do slip through the cracks and they don't follow up, um, is everything is a priority. Yeah. You figure it out. You know, I mean, there are days where I had this moment this morning where I looked at the list and I'm like, 
I have no idea how I'm going to tackle that today. And so then you pick it apart. Okay, so what has to happen today? What has to happen this morning? What can happen this afternoon? And some of those things can get moved to tomorrow's list, which is totally fine. Um, But like, you know, going back to the email from you, I knew that I needed to do that within a specific timeline. Otherwise, you know, you probably would have moved on or whatever it may be. So I just made sure that I bumped that up a little bit. And yeah, it's easy as me. It's as easy as that. Right. Right. And it seems so easy when you're so used to it. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a habitual thing. I mean, once you make that a part of your daily practice, that's just how you function. That's just it. That's legit how it works. Right. So remember going back to habits, right? The the psychology of habits. We are all programmed with habitual patterns every single day. There's that's nobody's any different in that kind of realm of, of psychology, but it depends on what your habits are, right? Are your habits fruitful or geared towards a more fruitful life? Or are your habits geared towards, you know, what you're seeing right now? When you realize there's something more that you want, then you need to take an active process at changing those habits. First, you have to be aware. What are my habits? Do I wake up on time or do I fucking hit the snooze button 20 times, right? Like, and listen, that happens when life is tough. That happens. And sometimes you need to do that. But at the end of the day, is that happening every day? So that means you're never getting that opportunity to, you know, network or get on your favorite individual's lives every week because they start at 9 a.m., right? Like there's just so many things to that. Okay, screw sleeping. What about your day-to-day, right? Are you completing things or are you procrastinating? The more you procrastinate, the more it becomes a habit, right? You start to fall into those patterns without even consciously realizing them. And so for you, again, like she said, and like I continue to say to you guys, it takes one action, one very small action today. And then you repeat it tomorrow. And then you repeat it the next day. But that very first day that you took that first action, the next day you start to see the massive transformation. You're like a little bit more peppy. You are a little bit more excited. And they just come in little bits. But I got to tell you, for someone who's constantly asleep or constantly hating on life or constant, constantly, constantly in a negative place, that little peppy step makes a huge difference the next day, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's just like we were saying too, with the whole social good and, um, you know, wanting to change the world again, it starts small, like that adds up and it's the same thing with the habits, right? Like, absolutely. Okay. So let me talk to you about I'm going to shift gears here because we could go on this forever. And we we definitely are respecting Lauren's time today because she got a shit long to-do list, right? <laughs> but I do want to add this. This is, this is where things get really awesome, right? And talk about creativity. But Lauren and I were just joking about how, and you know, I no, I'll just, I'll throw you under the bus with me. We, we're not makeup wearers. So this, you guys, this face I put on for the YouTube videos and stuff, this shit ain't happening every single day, right? And so she and I joked about it's on the list. <laughs> it's not on the list. <laughs> Can't handle it. Don't have time for it. All that stuff. Um, but one of the things that you had said was, you know, now that you're all dead this this afternoon, one of the things you want to do is you want to take the opportunity to film. I mean, how often are you did all the time? That right there is not only an opportunity seeking mindset, but then that's also 
creativity. It's a byproduct of being opportunity focused or in a growth mindset, right? Having a positive approach. And it's, let me clarify here because this chick is like real, realistic, right? Is she, she's not foo-foo. I'll tell you that. I had a good conversation with her. There is no woo-woo, no foo-foo, but you definitely, right? So it's realism, a lot of realism. But one of the things that is, is super striking is that your mindset is in a place where positivity is the focus. And so I'm sure you've had rough days, right? I'm sure. Yeah. And they take us down, each of us, like every other individual, right? Yeah. 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 And so... What's interesting? Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Because I was going to ask you to elaborate on that. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny to hear you say that because honestly, I, I wouldn't consider myself to be like this extremely positive person. I mean, I am someone who I've battled with depression my entire life. Um, I can get very down on myself, very, very negative. Um, I think it again goes back to that mindset of just like, that doesn't stop me. Um, Nothing, nothing stops me. I mean, I, I figure out a way around it. And I think too, that's a big part of, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So a few months ago, I hired this um, branding guy to come on and help us kind of do a little bit of rebranding for the organization. And the first time we met, we did what he calls his brand therapy. And so he's like, okay, where did this idea come from? And I tell him what I told you. I'm like, it was super random. I don't really know. I just thought about it. I mentioned it to my mom. And he's like, no, 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 no. Everything comes from somewhere. Every idea comes from somewhere. And I'm like, okay. So we start peeling back the layers and kind of talking through that. And um, what was so interesting for me to discover is that, you know, this already knew. I grew up in a home where it was a little chaotic um, and, you know, just a little bit of family drama that was kind of woven throughout my entire story. Yeah. And um, my, my family is not at all emotional. And so we, we never talked about the things that were going on. You know, shit could be hitting the fan and we're just brushing it under the rug and we go about our business, right? Well, dance was the one place that I could go and just break down those walls and have an emotional outlet, you know? And um, so I think that combined, the experience that I had combined with, like I mentioned before, you know, my desire to give back that was instilled in me from such a young age. And um, I just like to do good things for other people. Combining all of those things, um, it makes total sense why I would start a company like this, right? Where, yeah, it is totally random. Again, because I've never worked with anyone with special needs prior to this. But when you take a step back and look at all of those things, I'm like, oh, it actually makes total sense as to why I would do this. I just looked at my life and thought, okay, what are the tools that I've been given? Um, I'm a dancer. I have a teaching background and I like to do good things for people, right? Okay. How can I combine all of those things to make a change and create a life that fulfills me? And that's where we're at now. So I don't know. Yeah. And that it makes a lot of sense. Okay. And that's the thing. Your life and all of the experiences in it typically weave themselves into your 
specific, unique purpose, right? The thing you actually want, the thing you actually think about, the thing, those changes, those mountains you want to move, all those things. And they're different for everybody. They typically have an anchor in your life experiences. And it's, it's your little, it's the little pieces from your life experiences that are woven in and that becomes your ultimate purpose. And so a lot of people are like, well, why did this happen to me? I mean, you and I talked about this, about having an, you know, an unemotional home, right? I mean, true story. My sister, my youngest sister, there's four of us, FYI. I'm 35 years old, okay? My youngest sister turns, I think she was 18. So I had about four years ahead of her, three or four years ahead of her. And the rest of my siblings were like a decade ahead, basically. This girl comes in and she's like, I love you guys. And we're like, (laughs) what? What did you just say? Did you, what, what, what is that thing you just uttered through your mouth? Right. And so we had a very un uh, emotional home as well. And there's a few things there. That's not only a blessing, but it's also not a blessing. It's, it's something that's really tough on people and really, yeah, cool. It creates high achievers for sure, but then it also deteriorates the mind, body, and soul as well. And so as you, you could have been like, why did this happen to me? Because I'm sure, right? You had family, you had friends and saw their families like all emotionally, hey, I love you and all this one. And your family's completely dynamically different, right? But you didn't go down that route. I didn't. I didn't. And um, I, I, I was just having a conversation with a friend the other day who's kind of going through a little bit of a rough patch. And I'm like, you know, you can sit here and just say, why me? Oh, why? God, why would you put me in this position? I don't deserve this. But I have always had the ability to look at the situation I'm in, no matter how shitty it is, and be like, okay, and I am a really spiritual person. Okay, God, um, no idea why you would put me here, but I am just going to believe that there is a reason for this. And one day it's going to make sense. And you're preparing me for something right now. And whether, you know, you are spiritual or you, you know, just look at that as the universe putting you in a place, whatever it may be. I think if you have that mindset of there's a reason for this, um, like I said, I, I'm, this is in preparation for something to come, then that changes things. Right? 100%. 100%. Push through it. And I think that is what made me, you know, want to provide an experience to a group of people who may otherwise not have it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where they could have a similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, I'm so glad you broke down the question, the questioning process in your brain, right? Because whether you are spiritual, so, you know, the last two episodes ago, you guys heard Melissa and she was like, whatever you call it, God, creator, source, goddess, plant, lavender, whatever the fuck you call it, right? It doesn't matter. You believe in something greater than you. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I believe in spirituality on a different, um, on a, in a different way. And you believe in God, yet what we're saying is exactly the same, right? It's believing in something bigger, asking different questions. So she did say, you know, I don't know why this is happening, but right, you're preparing me. And so that's opening, broadening the opportunity, opening the scope of your mind, Huge things happen, you guys. Let me repeat this again. Huge things happen when you get into a space like that, when you switch your mindset from, why me? Why is this always happening to me? My life is so tainted. It's terrible to, 
okay, I don't know why this is happening to me, but I, I appreciate that this is something that's going to prepare me for something. I feel like there's a lesson that I can learn here. What can I learn here? Ask yourselves better questions and you will get better fucking results, right? That is the name of the game at the end of the day. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. And hey, that in itself is scary to think, okay, because I mean, you could be in what you are thinking is the worst thing you've ever been through, right? So that's scary to be like, that. this is preparing me for something potentially worse, right? That's a very, very scary thought. But I think it's just changing your mindset and your outlook um, that, like you said, I mean, the opportunities from there are endless. The birth of this organization, of this company, came from a very hard place. I, uh, gosh, it was like two and a half years ago now, had a full-on nervous breakdown. Major, the whole deal, went to the hospital, thought I was dying. Like, it was um, it was crazy. And then I, I realized that I have a major anxiety disorder um, that I had been living with my whole life and just suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. And so it wasn't until then, though, that I started actually taking care of myself and figuring out how to really tap in to those thoughts that we keep talking about. And um, that's when I really was like, okay, there's something missing from my life. What is it? I, I give my therapist a lot of credit. It was really in one of her sessions that I, you know, mentioned this idea to her that I had, like I said to you, you know, had originally came to me when I was 13. I, it resurfaced in college. And so I kind of just mentioned it to her and she was like, oh, you have to do that. You have to do that. And I was like, what? No. And I'm also um, the type of person that if I'm given a challenge, like it's game over. So I left her office and I'm like, I'm going to make something happen before I see her again next week. Like something will happen there. And, um, and that was it. Like it's the rest is history, as they say, you know. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because I was going to say that typically those toughest, I know it's easy for me to say to you guys, you know, your, your tough moments are learning opportunities. They are preparing you. You're like, come on, bitch. Come on, please. Like I'm having, uh, don't give me that. I'm broke. Right. That, that's a, that's a common one, but there's also massive traumas, right? Like some of you guys are going through some massive emotional disruptions. You guys are experiencing traumas like nobody should experience, technically speaking. But I'm going to tell you from someone who is in a similar position as Lauren, it's the traumas that have taught me. And so if you guys have been following the whole story of, you know, my abuse happened when I was eight, right? So, I mean, think about it. Uh, who, what is someone supposed to do with that kind of shit? Like, who, where's the good question, right? And I couldn't deal with it at the time. And again, through therapy and different levels of work, yeah, I was able to get through the other side. But I'll tell you this, I would have never done half of the work that I did as a woman, as an entrepreneur, had I not gone through that experience. So yeah, I could have hated, you know, the whole thing. And there's a side of me that does, but at the end of the day, I recognize that that was a moment for me that was technically a silver lining and a gift as shitty as that sounds because I learned so much, yo, and it's so much growth and it's so much drive and passion. And now what I do today is my life's work and I know I'm here on purpose, right? And same thing for Lauren. So yeah, shit can get really rough, but if you accept it as rough and that's it, then yeah, that's all you're going to get out of it. 
But if you accept it as something else, something greater, something to serve you, and you start asking different questions, I'm telling you, you will not be left in the dark at all. Yes. Right? Amen to that. Amen, girl. Preach, girl. Preach. I love it. I got me some real amens here. Okay. So before we head off, I want to quickly talk to you about the high achiever in you. Because that was something I picked up like right away. I thought, oh, girl, this one, this one's the ticker and the doer, right? You tick, you do, and you tick, you do, and you tick. And it was interesting because one of the things you said was it gives you that determination, that drive, right? Thanks, Daddy-O. We love you so much for pumping this girl with so much of it. Awesome. But there is a nasty other side to it that a lot of high achievers don't talk about because why would you? You're a high achiever. These are not things you're supposed to talk about, right? And so the other side is just a, yeah, it gives you that drive and determination, but there's a negative self-talk also associated to that, isn't there? Constantly. Yes, constantly. Um, that, and it's so crazy because when I rarely do take a step away from, you know, what's actually going on and look at it from another perspective, it's clear, like, okay, no, you're doing awesome. Like you raise $40,000 in 30 days. Like that's great. You know, crazy (laughs) when you're in it though, it's the negative. Yeah. It's, it's just a voice in my head. I did a, a post on my social media a few weeks ago, kind of talking about it. And I was like, you know, I'm constantly feeling like a fail. Just of me just being very vulnerable and very real. I'm like, I'm constantly feeling like I've, I failed. I set this huge goal for myself and I'm so far away from it. I'm like, but don't worry. Like I'm constantly telling that voice to shut the hell up because I know, I know that it's not the truth. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately that is something that I, I have to just stay in tune with it. Otherwise it'll eat you alive. 100%. And so it's not something that you're very successful, especially for a young woman. You're, you're extremely successful. What you're doing is huge and it's, it's wonderful, but that doesn't mean her life is rosy, right? The, the, the house upstairs that everybody has, it's very similar, very similar. Like it's our greatest asset and tool. And it is the thing that will undermine every single thing we do if we let it. And so a big part of of what you're saying there is being mindful of what's being said upstairs and then believing and knowing, you know, knowing your worth and saying, shut the hell up. It is not true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, and this is all possible with help from my therapist, from medication when needed, <laughs> from a close group of friends who I can open up to. Cause that was the part of prior to this huge breakdown that I had a few years ago, um, I didn't utilize any of those things, right? I was just this like stone cold, no emotions. And people believed it. I believed it. And the people around me believed it. Oh, she just, she doesn't cry. She doesn't have emotions. You know, things don't bother her. And inside I was losing it because no one, no one in the world can function that way. And it only lasts for so long until that it just creeps out of you. Right. And for me, it resulted in a major panic attack for some people. It may be just like that they go into a huge depression. I mean, it could manifest in different ways. ways, Right. So yeah, for me, it was, you know, anxiety. And, um, anyway, just after living that experience and being like, okay, I, this, this is unacceptable. I owe 
you know, myself more, I started talking to my friends about it whenever I have these moments of um, self-doubt, right? Or when I'm just really negative on myself, I, I open that conversation. And then that, it, it's not that you, I'm surrounded by people who just tell me what, right? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, staying and therapy is really expensive. I don't go all the time, but whenever I feel something creeping up, I text my therapist immediately. When can you get me in? Um, I think that we have to just be proactive and stay in tune and be mindful of that at all times, because if you don't take care of yourself, no one else is. Absolutely. And a big component of it, not only is being mindful, but loving yourself, right? It sounds so hokey when people are like, love yourself. And I used to, as a high achiever as well, I used to joke about that. What a lame thing to say to people. So like, and then it makes sense. When you love yourself, you love yourself better. You treat yourself better. You talk to yourself better. And if you're not talking to yourself better, you tell your brain to shut the fuck up basically, right? You love more like you love better and more outside of you. So your other relationships get it. And a big piece of it is it's it's like that when it's a secret, you guys, when you're not telling anybody, it is so powerful, right? So like your bad day when you don't let it out, well, it just gets worse. It takes a hold of every opportunity it can get its hands on, right? All of a sudden, your coming home is terrible because someone cut you off or your spouse, or somebody who lives with you, or even your dog is getting in shit because now you got this dark, deep, dark secret upstairs that you're not telling anybody about, and you're not releasing the power, so it's just taking on more, and it's taking on more, right? Choo-choo, let's go. And so releasing that to a very select group of people who are only going to make you better, that's another thing, right? Make sure you know who's around you when you do choose to start becoming accepting, loving, doing great things. You want to have the similar types of people, similar to successful, open, loving, uh, communicative, right? To have those people around you that are going to propel you upwards versus sending you way back down, right? And it's not hard to weed those people out. I found that out real quick too, post breakdown. Yeah, you, you figure out, pretty quickly who in your circle um, is there for the long haul and and does want to make you better and wants to have these real conversations with you beyond surface level. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Super powerful, super powerful stuff, Lauren. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with, uh, with everybody, with lit, with me. Thank you, man. This has been a deep conversation. Thank you. I I love a good deep combo. Yeah. Right. We started the combo with surface, but it really wasn't. It was about the weather and I mean, like weather's really important right now. <laughs> it really is. But I knew we'd be going into this. And so before you go, I want you to take the opportunity for you to share with everybody a little bit more about where Move is if they wanted to connect, right? Um, where Move is, what you guys are doing. And I believe you have a campaign that's happening on ifundwomen.com uh, right now. So talk more about that if you'd like. Sure. So... um you can find us um, on social media, Facebook or Instagram, Move Inclusive Dance. This is all of our handles, um, moveinclusivedance.com for the website. But yeah, we're doing this uh, big fundraiser right now through iPhone Women, which just little plug for iPhone Women. They're freaking awesome. If any Freaking awesome. Oh my God. If anyone here is listening and you have an idea that you're playing around with and you're like, hmm, I don't have the capital. I mean, you can pretty much go to them with 
any idea. And they are like there to help you make it happen. So just bravo to them. They're great. But yeah, we're doing this big campaign right now to raise $100,000 to open our first full-time studio for our program. Um, and it's, it's going on throughout the month of May. So if you just go to iPhoneWomen.com, you'll see us on like the top page, Move Inclusive Dance. I love it. I love it. You guys should check it out. Um, I believe there's rewards associated with it. So go check out the handles. There's some cool, cool videos, a lot of deep insight in there that probably is going to help spur your own creativity, but you get to meet some cool people. I believe Brittany, Brittany's a star child, right? She's pretty much just become the face of inclusive dance, which I'm totally fine with. Um, She's 29. She has Down syndrome and she is one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And yes, you will see her. She calls herself the diva. (laughs) Move over, Lauren. Brittany is taking over. (laughs) I was um, at a networking little event the other day and I showed someone our campaign video and she was like, it was someone who volunteers with um, an organization here that works for people with special needs. And she was like, wait, I know her. She calls herself the diva. I'm like, yes, that's Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) I do love it. I do love it. Lauren, thank you very much for coming in, for sharing your wisdom. We really appreciate it. You guys, there is so much in here in terms of practicality, tips that you can take today to make that change, create that change for your tomorrow, right? It takes little actionable steps that create massive transformation over time. And if you're someone who is a high achiever, if you're someone who really, really holds yourself to it, know that part of your battle is your own mind. And so getting out of that and getting it onto paper and getting creative is going to get you through all of that, right? And so take that time today, if you've got a little idea, something small, something that's been whispering and you really don't understand why it's there, fuck it, write it down because you never know, like you don't know. Move came out of nowhere. Lit came out of nowhere. None of these things really did come out of nowhere, but to us in the moment, yeah, man, they were really out of nowhere. So your life's work is based on your experiences let the ideas flow and take action towards them because you just never know. So until next week, I hope you take one step every single day that's going to bring you closer to your dream and transformation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit. I am so grateful to have you as an audience member. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to hit subscribe and leave your review. For more resources, tips, and tools, head over to www.ravitour.co. I'll be back with another episode next week, but until then, stay lit.